Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Church is bad for you, especially on daylight savings, right? Friends, open your Bibles to, uh, to Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25. And as we turn in our scriptures, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, awaken us to your word, enliven us to your living word. Lord, speak to us words of grace and truth through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're grateful for God's word. Amen? The church is bad for you. Really. Uh, I I went to a congregation once, a a mega gathering. Tens of thousands of of people were gathered there. I was surprised at how much you had to pay. You had to pay to park. Uh, You had to pay for tickets to, to get in to this congregation. You had to pay for the the food. You had to pay a lot for the food, the ritual meal. Uh, You wound up paying an awful lot. Everyone was wearing the same color clothing, which I thought was kind of strange, but that did give you a good sense of, of community. The greeters were nice and showed me where to sit. The main symbol in this congregation was the head of a horse. Some of you are getting it. And when I walked into the main gathering space, which was large and spacious, I, I, uh, I knew why. There was a great statue of a white stallion that all of us could see from where we sat. In front of us, a small group of, of leaders, uh, young men and women, led us in chants. They were all wearing the same color clothes as well, and I was surprised that I knew exactly what to say as they called out Broncos <laughs> defense, yes. And we all gathered together, and it was a moving experience, <laughs> but expensive. Now, was that church. It was a con- thank you. 
<laughs> yeah. What I like about this series is that I get to spend time imagining uh, myself as a, as a non-believer. What, what would my life be like right now if Christ had not saved my soul? If I was not following Jesus Christ in, in my life, what would I be doing? What would I be about? And what does it look like to someone else when they see me get up and go to church, when they see my commitment uh, to church, someone who doesn't know God or just barely believes that there is a God? What does it look like to them uh, when you and I, we, we, uh, we get into our cars and we head to church? What do they think has motivated us? What do they think the draw is? Sometimes I see maps of, and business plans of development ideas for cities showing all the restaurants and the parks and the, the venues and the churches are just kind of blank spots on the map. <laughs> the world doesn't really know what to do with churches. Now here at First Pres, uh, we're very involved in the development of the city. In fact, our executive director, Allison Murray, serves right now as the chair of the downtown partnership for Colorado Springs. So we show up on a map every now and then, but it still seems like, you know, this, people just don't know what to do with the church. What's that good for? What are they good for, these churches? Can't we exchange them, replace them with something useful, profitable, our facilities have more people flow through them in the course of the week than most of the large buildings downtown. That's something, but I still think that increasingly in the world around us, church just isn't understood. If you don't get Jesus, you won't get church. You just won't get it. And increasingly in the eyes of the world, the church appears as an absolute waste, maybe even doing more harm than good. Maybe church is even bad for you. Let me explain. We've been trying to understand the viewpoint of the skeptic. What does the world say about Christian belief? And, and we want to get around into their position and try to understand what they see from where they sit. And this week, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going out on a limb a little bit. What I'm actually saying this week is something that I think skeptics and non-Christians believe that they would never, ever say to you or me. I think many people believe that church is actually bad for you. In the first uh, sermon of this series, you might remember I, I mentioned that you may have heard of church being a sociological phenomenon, reflecting the human need to gather up in like kind, like fish swimming in the ocean, needing to school up for protection, for, for fear of predators and dangers. We find others like us and we swim all together in a giant pod. Safety in numbers, comfort in likeness. People need to, to gather together to feel safe. So in the minds of those who do not know God, church, church is one of these exercises. Church is an exercise in community through conformity. If I swim with the other fishes, if I, if I look like the other fishes, if I act like the other fishes, then I get to be in the school with the other fishes and, and I get to feel protected, you see. But what is the main project of our contemporary world? What is everyone gunning after? The main project is diversity and, and pluralism. 
What is the highest value? Rugged individualism and self-actualization. What do we want more than anything else? We want autonomy and independence. And so an exercise in conformity for community, that runs exactly opposite and counter to all these values. The world sees us doing what we're doing and just wants to yell, you're going the wrong way. You're doing it wrong, you see. But is that all that church is? Community through conformity? Let me tell you, if I thought that's all that we were doing here this morning, I would have snoozed the alarm. I would, have, I would be off doing uh, something else, you know? If all we're doing is, is community through conformity, Listen, this isn't even the best way to do community through conformity. A Broncos game is much more effective and much more profitable. But that's one way the world believes church is bad for you. You're going the wrong way. But let me give you one more. Because this is the one that really rattled me and frankly served as one of the prompts that as I felt the Lord calling us to go into this study. About a year ago, there was a, a young man who committed suicide in the north area of Colorado Springs. And this was a student who took his own life and this student had been attending uh, a youth ministry outreach that we all know and love here in First Pres, and an article appeared in the paper linking the two. The implication of the article was that talking to troubled teens about God, that talking to troubled teens about God and heaven could inspire them to escape their lives by taking their own life. Now, I almost fell out of my chair when I read that article, as did many of us here when we saw that come up. But I was grateful in a way too because finally someone was saying openly what they think of the Christian faith in their heart of hearts. Friends, that's where we are. That's where we are. Today in America, that's where we've come. Many who lead and shape and represent our common lives together, our, our culture, many think The church is not only just a a feckless anachronism to harmlessly entertain those who still need it, but that it's actually harmful, that church is bad for you. What can we say? Well, what is church really all about? If you don't get Jesus, you won't get church. But if you do get Jesus, you need his church. You need to be at home in his body. What is the church? The church on earth is the people of God who are in the world drawing near to him to enjoy his presence, glorify his name, and rehearse his kingdom. Church isn't a building or an institution. It's a movement of the people of God. Tear all of this down, tear all of this down, and first pres is still right here because church is the people of God gathered in his presence. Church is an exercise of praise. When God is glorified, lives are transformed. And church is a demonstration to the world of God's goodness. When lives are transformed, God is glorified. 
Church is bad for you? Church is bad for you if you are trying to stick to the patterns and practices of this present world order. Then church is gonna be really bad for you because church is going to change you. You're going to be altered at the altar. You're going to experience a transformation if you hang out here. Fair warning, this stuff changes you. Changes what you value, it changes what you see, it changes what you love. This stuff changes your life. But I don't think church is bad for you because the patterns we learn here connect us with Jesus. If you get Jesus, then you'll get church. Let's look at our passage together. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, we have confidence to enter. We have a new way open. If you don't get Jesus, you won't get church. See, at some point in your conversation, you have to leave the horizontal plane and go vertical. Your friend asks you, why do you go to church? Why your commitment to that local community of faith? You have to leave the the horizontal plane. All they can see is the horizontal. That's all they they know. They think you need community. They think you need the inspiration of of gathering in this body. You need to to feel inspired to, to do good work or to do good deeds at home or to get back to work. You like the feelings that it gives you. That's all your friend sees. And so that's all your friend judges. They judge your participation in church and its effectiveness by its ability to produce these things in your life, do you see, on the horizontal plane. At some point, you have to get vertical. You have to say, you know, for me, it's about Jesus. For me, it's about Jesus and how he saved my soul. It's about a relationship with God. Why do I go to church? I go to church because, and in church I rehearse my relationship with God. Don't you think there's a God? Don't you think there's a God out there? Do you think you could interact with God? When I go to church and I'm in my community of faith, that's where I learn and and rehearse and practice my relationship with God because Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he opened a new way. He opened a new way in his, in his body, a new door to God. And the curtain, the curtain, the symbol of separation between God and people was torn open when Jesus died for my sins. My sins separated me from God. But in the body of Christ, I'm again united to God. Because in Jesus, God's son, my sins were atoned for. And I can be at home with God in him. You see, you've got to get to the vertical plane where they just don't understand why you got up so early this morning. I got up to be with Jesus who saved my soul. Really? You believe that stuff? You still believe that? Yes, I do. I do. I do. At the core of our fellowship is joy in union with Christ. And you know, without that, I don't know why anyone would do church. Verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with, well, what's that all about, all this washing? What's that about? Go ahead, say it. Baptism. It's right over here. 
an, an, an outside sign of an internal movement of grace. But we don't just need our heads sprinkled. We don't just need our bodies sprinkled. We need our hearts sprinkled. It's about the heart. It's about the relationship with God from the heart. And now it says we've got a priest over the house of God. We've got a great priest. That's Jesus. And what does a priest do? A, a priest presents God to the world and presents the world to God, and that's Jesus. And he presides over the house of God. So then it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Well, how do you do that? Where do I go? Isn't God everywhere? How do I draw near to God when he's everywhere? Well, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, here's a clue, there I am in the midst of them. Gather to draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. The full assurance of faith. Now, not to linger too long here, but this touches on a doctrine called the assurance of faith. And what is that? What is the assurance of faith? Well, it's that feeling, it's that sensibility that the Holy Spirit places in our heart that I myself, very individually, not just the, the, the global church, not just the church triumphant, the church uh, communion of saints, but me, I myself, I am assured that Christ has moved in my life, that he has named me a child of God, that he has forgiven my sins. It's the assurance of faith that you and I receive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, you cannot lose your position in the family of God. Once you have put your faith in Christ and he has authority to name you a child of God and he has named you a son, he has named you a daughter in the household of God, that inheritance cannot be removed from your life. No matter what, you cannot lose your position as a child of God named by Jesus Christ. But you can lose your assurance of faith. You can lose that feeling. You can lose that sense that I know that I am saved. You can forget God. You can. You can forget what it means that he's drawn you close. You can forget who you are in the household of God. You can, you can forget and start running in the, in the patterns of the world, just running in the classic patterns of the world around you and forget entirely that you belong to the household of God. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your assurance of faith, and we don't want to do that. So what do we do? Verses 23, 25, 23, 24, 25. So then, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, Meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more, all the more, all the more as you see the day. Don't give up on meeting together. Some are in the habit of, of not meeting together, not gathering together. They've let it fall away. Well, why, why do you go to church? Why do you go through all the rigmarole to get up and get yourself here and, and, and be in the, in the presence of the congregation of believers. Why do, you, why do you go to church and sit here and give this hour away? If you don't get Jesus, you won't get church. But if you belong to Jesus, 
You long to be in his presence. You long to be in his household over which he is the the great priest. You long to be near to him, to be reminded of your assurance of faith through the ordinary means of grace, the word, the sacrament, the songs, the prayers. You long to have your heart shaped and formed and reshaped and reformed again and again after the patterns of the kingdom of heaven. You don't give up meeting together. You don't give up meeting together. You you don't stop as some are in the habit of doing. You don't lose heart as some have done. You, You keep gathering together because when you do, you feel, you feel it. You feel it in your soul. You know, when you neglect to gather together, you feel lost and scattered. It's as though you've, you've held your breath for too long and you need to be again in the household of God, reformed, reshaped, reminded. To be honest, church is not something we do. It's something God is doing in me, in us, to the world for his glory. And it's bad for you. It's really bad for you if if what you want is to stay far from God. If what you want is to stay separated from God, living out the patterns of this world alone, if that's what you want, church is bad for you, bad for you. But if you are in Christ, then this is life. At the core of the church is joy in union with Christ. There's so much to say about the church. I think as I, as I wrote and, and researched and preached this sermon, I feel so much like um, this is one of those cases where one of the things that I'm the most passionate about, I wind up delivering uh, the most boring message about because it should be full of stories and you've all got them and you're inspired by stories of what being the people of God means. But what I want to give you this morning is ideas. Just a couple more. We get easily caught up in the horizontal dimensions of the church. We want to defend our church on that dimension. We want to say it's useful, it's good, it's useful to the world. It belongs on the city map. We do good stuff, we really do. You know, but once we measure the utility of the church by the measures provided for us by the world, we've already lost. If you don't get Jesus, you won't get the church. The church is the body of Christ in the world. Now listen to, we say that the church needs to change the world. And we separate that out into two categories, the church and the world. And we set them up as opposed to one another. The world is is lost. The world is broken. The world is unjust. The world is perverse. The world is violent. We, the church, we need to go out there and fix that world. Why isn't the church going out there and fixing that world? Listen now, friends. Don't you see? We are that world. We are that world. We are broken. We are unjust. We are are violent and, and perverse and lost. And as we gather, as the high priest Jesus Christ gathers us, you and me, to be here in his house under his leadership, under his formation, Christ is gathering the world. He is gathering the world in order to heal it. 
We are the broken world in his presence and we do not neglect to gather, to give God praise, to spur one another on to love and action and as we gather, the world is being redeemed. The world changes right here. You bring your broken heart, you bring it here and Christ heals and Christ transforms and the world is changed. Now quickly go and tell others there's healing found in Jesus Christ. Here, the world changes. One final thought. The church is called the body of Christ. Hebrews says in verse 20, if you have it open, look at it. That a new and living way is opened through the curtain that is his body. The church, the church is called the body of Christ. So Hebrews is saying that the curtain that once separated the people from God has been replaced with the body of Christ and it doesn't separate people from God, it unites people with God. Now from the very moment that the body of Christ, the physical body emerged from the grave, the world has tried desperately to drag it back down in there. That's where it belongs. But the body of Christ lives And the church, the body of Christ, lives on. We say, I'm sure it's dead. I'm positive it's dead now. It belongs in the grave. It will never survive this next generation. I'm sure the church is dead. The Roman Empire opposes this church as it's been born. It'll never last. It'll never last. It's going to die. The body of Christ won't survive communism in Russia. I mean, you can't survive over there with communism. The Chinese government opposes the church. There's no way that the body of Christ can emerge there. It's going to die over there for sure. The culture in Africa, it can't absorb Christianity. There's no way the body of Christ could rise up in Africa. Egypt and the Middle East, it's over. You could never see the body of Christ come out of the grave in Egypt. There's no chance. The body of Christ just won't stay down. It just won't die. It just won't go back to the grave where the world thinks it belongs. The body of Christ just won't go down. Why? Because Jesus already did death. And that's done. And now on the body of Christ lives and it will accomplish the mission for which it has been sent. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Amen. From here on out, we live. Oh, family of God, don't neglect to gather. Don't give up on gathering together as some have done and some have taught to do. No, come together. Come into the body of Christ. Come into the household of God. Be reformed, reshaped again and again. Draw near, join to glorify the Lord. Jesus is changing the world right here, right now. Let's pray. Lord, every one of us has a story in our mind of how beautiful the church has been to be a part of your body Lord, bring that story to mind right now as we give thanks for what you've done. 
And Lord, when we are in that conversation and someone asks why, why? Why are you going? Lord, help us to reflect your love, your grace, to reveal who you are to us from the core of our hearts, to revere you in our hearts, Christ, as Lord. And may your body carry on. And we give you thanks for your grace calling us to be a part of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.